All right, so, so now would be the time, uh, as we begin to, to move into our, our big kid reflection, uh, now would be the time to, to jump on there and tell us what you think is missing from politics in 2020. I expect there to be a lot of different answers, uh, as that's probably a, a little bit of an opinionated question. I feel like it's a dangerous question to be asking at the beginning of a dangerous series. <laughs> but, but here we go. What's missing from politics in 2020? Go ahead and engage with us on Zoom, Facebook, and tell us uh, what you think is best. I'm going to give you my answer in just a few minutes based on a scriptural journey that we're going to take. Um, you might want to have a, a pencil or a pen with you so you can jot down some references because this morning we're not going to be um, uh, sitting on just one, you know, Bible passage. We're, we're actually going to look at several passages pretty quickly and, and trying to trace a theme that is very clear but maybe a little subtle as it walks through Scripture. And, and so you want to have a pen ready so, so you can be ready. Um, the, the theme is this. I want to tell you up front so you know what the theme is and you can begin to hear it and see it as we walk through these different passages uh, from Scripture. The, the theme is this. God is always at work in the world. Most of the time, he's at work through people. It's a simple but very clear theme that, that kind of travels throughout Scripture. God is always at work in this world. He's usually at work through people. So, so just see this. Most of the time, God doesn't do like the big dramatic superhero entrance kind of thing. Uh, most of the time, God doesn't speak from heaven and, and, uh, and boom down what he desires and what he thinks. Uh, most of the time, God speaks to an individual like me and then asks me to share whatever he's putting on my heart with you. Uh, this is the way that God typically works in the world. So we're going to trace that theme as we walk through Scripture. We're going to start in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. This is a great passage. I love starting here because this is the words of Jesus himself, right? Luke chapter 10, Jesus says this, Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, and say, the kingdom of God has come near to you. So, so just see this. Um, Jesus has already been doing ministry for a little while. And, um, and, and what he's doing is he's sending out his 12 disciples. He says, hey, guys, I want you to go into the towns and villages that I myself am about to go. And, and, and he tells them, look, this is what I want you to do. I want you to find the people that are receptive to you, right? Um, uh, I want you to enter a town and, and when they receive you, right? This is what Jesus does. He goes around and he waits for people to be open to him, to receive him. And, and then he says, I want you to spend time in that place with the people that receive you, right? I, I want you to stay and have a meal with them. I want you to stay and have a meal, eat what is set before you. And then he says, I want you to heal the sick in that place where the people receive you. That's the work that Jesus himself was known so well for, healing the sick. And then he tells them, I want you to say, um, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Uh, in Mark chapter 1, Jesus shows up on the scene and, uh, and, he, and he's proclaiming the good news, the gospel, which is the kingdom of God is at hand. So just see this, right? Jesus is taking his words and putting them into the mouths of the disciples themselves. Um, God is always at work. He's usually doing that work through the hands and the mouth of common, ordinary people. Second stop on our journey is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. It reads like this. We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
Um, the book of 2 Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul, and his disciple, Timothy, helped him write that. So when, when Paul says we, he's saying, hey, Paul and my disciple, Timothy, right, are ambassadors for Christ. You probably know what an ambassador is, but just to give a clear definition, it's a representative from one person to another person or a group of people, right? So in this case, Paul is saying, look, um, God desires to do something to you, Corinthian church, and he's going to do that not in a big, flashy, dramatic way. He's going to do that through me and through my disciple, Timothy, God is always at work in the world. He's going to be at work in the world through common, ordinary people. Uh, I love the word appeal here, right? We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Um, the word appeal means um, to call somebody to your side. Um, so if one of my boys are wandering off, I might say, hey, Zeke, get over here, right? And, and, and I'd call you to my side. Or I might say, hey, Simon, come over here, right? And, and I'd call you to my side. And so this is what God is doing to people in the world. He's, he's appealing to them. He's calling them to his side. But, but again, right, he doesn't do that in a big, dramatic, booming voice from heaven. No, no, he, he speaks through Paul and Timothy and says, hey, God wants you to walk by his side. Why don't you just enjoy walking with him on a day-in and day-out basis? God's always at work in the world. He usually is at work through common, ordinary people. Uh, the next stop is Exodus chapter 19, verse 6. I love this one. Um, Exodus chapter 19, verse 6. I never really noticed this before, we got, uh, before I was studying this. Um, this is, this is just to be clear, a long time before Jesus ever shows up in the flesh on Christmas morning. Uh, this is Exodus 19, verse 6. Very early on in, in the life of the people of God, and uh, before the Ten Commandments are even given, right? Um, and God speaks to Moses and says, Moses, I want you to speak to the Israelites, do you see the sequence again? God speaks to Moses. Moses is supposed to speak to the Israelites. And he's supposed to tell the Israelites, you will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. You will be for me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. So, so Moses is um, supposed to tell a bunch of people, hey, you all represent God to the rest of the world. Um, a priest is somebody who's set apart for some kind of special work in the world. A priest has special, unique access to God on behalf of or for other people. So in the Old Testament, uh, there was this thing called the, the most holy place in the temple. And um, only a priest could enter into that most holy place. But, but he wouldn't do so on his own behalf. He would do so on behalf of all the other people. And so, so he was that ambassador, that representative between God and the people. God is always at work in the world. He's usually at work through common, ordinary people. The, the last one, I, I love this one as well. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Notice the language uh, here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 um, uh, Peter is written to disciples everywhere. Uh, that's the Pastor Dave sort of cliff note version of how you say that. Uh, it's written to disciples everywhere. And, and it says this. It says, you are. Now notice the language. Uh, Exodus said, you will be. First uh, Peter chapter 2 said, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. There it is again. A, ch uh, a, um, a holy nation, God's special possession, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness 
and into his wonderful light. It's just this beautiful passage that, that goes way back to the book of Exodus, right? And then it looks at Jesus, and then it, and then it says, hey, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You're, you're a, a holy nation set apart for what kind of work? To declare the praises of God to the world around you. To, to declare praises means that you speak favorably about something or someone to the world around you. And so I love that, that First Peter gives us the why behind our job. Uh, God is always at work in the world. He's usually at work through common, ordinary people like you and like me. So, so just follow the journey. Um, uh, book of Exodus, uh, God's at work in the world through Moses. Uh, Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples. Second uh, Corinthians, God is at work through Paul and Timothy, and by extension through you and I. First uh, Peter, uh, God is at work in the world through us as we declare the praises of God. So, so return to that original question. Uh, what's missing from politics in 2020? You probably had a bunch of things that rattled through your brain. Uh, I know when I was first wrestling with this question myself a, a few weeks ago, um, I had a lot of things going through my brain about what's missing from politics. I think we can make a lot of good arguments and, and we could establish a lot of things and, and, and that might be true. But based on this kind of subtle but clear theme through scripture, what's missing from politics in 2020 is me. If I'm being honest, what's missing from politics in 2020 is me engaging in those politics What's missing from politics in 2020 is me engaging in the right way. So, so let me just kind of unpack all of those a little bit. Um, th this first part is a, is a bit of a confession. I'm admitting my own sin and my own errors to you. Uh, some of us are just uninformed. We're uninformed. Uh, I make all kinds of excuses to be uninformed. <laughs> um, uh, I'm too busy. Right, that's probably my easiest uh, go-to excuse. I'm trying to lead my family well. I'm, I'm trying to pay attention to my own health, spiritual and physical. Um, I, I'm trying to lead my, my church well. Um, I, I like uh, to pay attention to sports and stuff, and my boys are involved in sports and stuff, and I'm too busy to be engaged and to know the issues and to know the bills and to know the, the, the things on the, on the voting ballot. That's an excuse that I make to not be informed, not be engaged. Um, I also know that, that the political arena is often very explosive. <laughs> um, I've watched it divide families. I've watched it divide relationships. I've watched it divide churches even. And, and so I know that it's an explosive environment and that makes me kind of not want to be engaged in it. Uh, just not, not address it, not really deal with it. It's safer that way. Um, I also make the excuse sometimes of my own belief and faith that, that, that I know confidently and certainly who is in charge. So sometimes I'll just chalk it up to, well, I know that Jesus Christ is, is, is the Messiah, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the president of presidents. I know that Jesus created all things and sustains all things and, and that Jesus will bring all things as we know it to, a, to, to an end. And so sometimes I'll say, oh, it doesn't matter, and I won't pay attention. But, but I'll just be honest, this has really firmly convicted me here as I, as I walked this journey and, and, and saw this theme throughout Scripture for myself. Um, if politics is where people 
influential people go to influence people, then I need to be engaged in the political conversations. Um, and, and, I, and I haven't been. And so I'm admitting my own sin, and I'm probably also speaking for some of us here, that we are just unengaged. What's missing from politics is, uh, is me engaging. A different version of that might be um, that, that you have, uh, that maybe you are informed and you have your opinions and, and you have your, uh, your beliefs, but you sort of just keep them all to yourself <laughs> uh, because it's safer that way. Um, it, it's just safer to not have the political conversation because it's dangerous territory. That's the same thing as not engaging and not representing the King of Kings and Lord of Lords as we should. Uh, what's missing from politics in 2020 is me engaging in the right way. Um, and, and what I mean by that is um, we, we don't mean to do it. Uh, we just kind of get sucked into the political arena and the conversations. And, and we, we end up representing the wrong kingdom. Do you know what I mean by that? Uh, very often what happens is we, we end up representing, you know, our, our favorite issue, our hot button topic. Uh, we end up representing our political candidate, uh, maybe even representing a political party. And just hear that none of that is, is bad because it means that you're engaging and doing what you're supposed to. But very often we kind of go one way or the other and we either represent those things only and we forget to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We forget to represent the kingdom of God. And so what's missing in 2020 is me engaging in the right way, representing the right kingdom. Uh, and, and, and often when we represent the wrong kingdom, we, we represent in the wrong way, meaning we don't represent in love and we don't represent with a framework of good news. We are so quick to point out everything that's wrong with the other side. Uh, we're so quick to point out um, all, all the stuff that, that we don't like about a certain opinion or a certain viewpoint, and, and we sort of miss communicating what is right and what is good about Jesus. What's missing from politics in 2020 is me, me engaging me engaging in the right way. So, so look, it, it just uh, sort of struck me that, that as I was trying to prepare and, and figure out how in the world to actually be helpful to us in this political season, it, it, it struck me that, that the thing that we really probably need to do or, or need to consider doing is, is taking time to admit our own sins and mistakes and failures. To just admit, I, I haven't been representing, uh, or I haven't been representing well, uh, or maybe both. And, and we do that so that we stop pointing the finger at other people, and we just take that time to really look at myself and say, man, how have I messed this up? But, but just hear this, um, we, we don't do that only. Uh, that would leave us in a place where we kind of wallow and we say, well, here's one more thing to do. No, no, what we do is we admit our sin, and, and at the same time, we, we, we celebrate who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. I, I want to give you one more reference. Uh, this is the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 5. Revelation, chapter 1, verse 5, and it says this. Uh, it describes Jesus, and this is a beautiful description of Jesus. It says that Jesus is the one who loves us. Why? Uh, because you get it right all the time. 
but because you're figuring it out as you go through life. No, Jesus loves you just because that's what he does. He's just chosen to love you since before the beginning of time. Jesus is described as the one who loves you. Jesus is described as the one who has freed you from your sins by his very own blood. See, this isn't just a Jesus who, who turns a, 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 you know, a blind eye. This isn't a Jesus who says, oh, it's okay, don't worry about your mess-ups. No, no, this is a Jesus who goes to the cross and sheds his blood and is buried in a tomb as, as the price that you should have paid. He pays the price for your sin with his very own blood. Jesus freed you from your sin by his very own blood. And just see this. This is so beautiful. Um, we're going to bring that language of priests and being a kingdom right back here in Revelation chapter 1. We saw it in Exodus. We saw it in, in, in 1 Peter. And now we see it in Revelation 1 verse 5. That Jesus is described as the one that has made us a kingdom, priests, to God and Father. That doesn't mean that, that you choose to be a kingdom or you choose to be a priest. It's just what God has made you to be. Um, it, it, it's just what, what happens when you become part of the family of God. And so you could kind of bring the kids' chat back here. Uh, I, I love that, that, that the kids' chat because the, the reality is that we all have a job to do. That God's always at work in the world. Most of the time, he's at work through common, ordinary people like us. We all have a job to do, and sometimes we don't do that job as we should. That doesn't mean that we're kicked out of the family. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love us anymore. It's quite the opposite. It means that, that he always loves you, and he's made you to be part of his family, and he wants to share responsibility with you. What an incredible privilege we have uh, to do his work in the world, to, to be his hands to people who desperately need his hands, and to be his mouth to people who desperately need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen.